welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in the world of sports for this second episode of the week. Mitch, it's good to be back here with you, back to be in the state of Ohio, and we're here now to talk another round of sports. Mitch, good to see you back in Ohio. It means you made it back safe and soundly from Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm sure you had a great time. Also, just very appreciative that you can call me by my name uh, twice this week in emails at work. I've been labeled as Michelle. So I'm just happy that somebody here still knows my name. Well, someone's getting fired from that. But we will make sure to, before we get to that uh, work occurrence, I want to remind you guys, of course, of our last episode. We went over the schedule for this week in high school action for here on big time sports you can also uh, make sure to follow us on all of our social platforms as we get to later on in the episode so mitch i mean we're getting near and near finals week for a lot of schools you mentioned before the episode started that it is finals week for the federal league team so a lot of schools did not play this week um that was not so much the case in my area as there were still a lot of teams active but i think that's because we take off of uh, next week so going into this deep winter part of the season now alongside with basketball we're seeing a lot of action in Tuscarawas in Stark in terms of athletics uh obviously the teams in the IVC along with Dover and New Philly doing things teams in your side the Federal League and the Pack. what are some of the biggest let me take that back what are some of the most notable instances right now in high school sports that you can really give us an input on uh so far for this winter season well, I alluded to it in our last episode where we kind of recapped the past week in high school basketball here in Stark County. And really, Mitch, it's the Glen Oak Golden Eagles. And what's interesting about them is a lot of people weren't sure what to expect. They had a very solid player coming back in Jacory Lipkins, but not a lot of people expected them to really make noise in the federal league. You look around, there was players across the federal league and, and three notable names and McKinley returned the most players from last year's varsity team. And even uh, their head coach said that he thought this was the most talented team they've had. Now McKinley's dropped two in a row and here's Glen Oak sitting atop the federal league standings two and zero in the federal league. And they are getting big time plays from big time players, including one sophomore. And right now I'd say that's the surprise so far for boys basketball and Mitch on the other side. It might be the same thing for girls basketball here in Stark County for Glen Oak. This is a team that this might be their weakest team in years in terms of talent. Now, when you talk about talent, that only takes you so far and then coaching can take you so much further. And that's why this team right now with how the season has started is going to be the team that spoils and ruins a lot of team seasons. They're a team that is winless in the federal league right now. They're a team that is led by one of the most notable head coaches in girls basketball and not only Stark County, but maybe in Northeast Ohio and head coach Paul Wackerly. And he knows how to game plan. And so it's safe to say, although Glen Oak girls have gotten off to a, a rocky start here, something that they're not accustomed to. It's safe to say that head coach Paul Wackerly will be able to get teams to fall somewhere down the line. And Glen Oak might be able to play spoiler as well as building something up with a young team as they head into the playoffs. But right now, a tale of, opposites for boys and girls at Glen Oak, but that has to be the storyline for both sides so far. No kidding. We talked about the Eagles on uh, this past earlier in the week, uh, getting those huge victories and we'll see where they go here moving forward atop the federal league right now. Now, as for my side, I mean, we've had a number of games this past week among the top schools right now is Strasburg, the girls side, especially six and one, as well as the boys team, uh, uh, two programs that many people were, 
I'd say on the boys side, more unsure of where it would go compared to the girls. Cause the girls were top of the IBC last season. You get a breakout star in Riley Thomas and coach Troy McClellan, who obviously is known around these parts as the guy who helped lead Strasburg to its second and to date last state playoff appearance in 2001 he's been able to come back into the girls program and really bring toughness to the program bring some serious skill and this year they've been doing some great work the boys side was different you still have a number of holdovers from the uh, adam hall era but ron miller has brought a a great sense of leadership to this team already and he's a young guy he's just a few years older than you and i but he's he carries himself very much like a seasoned veteran and that really really shows in the way that Strasburg is able to uh go up against some of these schools this year it's a little bit different from the adam hall days where you know a big part of that program was very little few mistakes where if you made a crucial error or a poor decision you're out and then you just have that rotating bench back in with Miller it's a little different you get to you're able to breathe a little bit more uh, on that side and that's nothing against what coach Adam Hall did but it's such a uniquely different way that uh, Miller is handling it so far as a younger coach compared to Hall who had been there for a number of seasons now it's going to be a big test for Strasburg coming up because they're going to be playing on Friday, a game in which I will be at on their home floor against the Hornets of Malvern. Big time sports will be there. The, the Hornets right now are also one of the top schools in the IVC, I believe, right near the top of the IVC North at the top right now at 2-0 alongside Strasburg. They're 5-0, Tigers are 6-0, and they've been very, very handily beating teams early on in on the IVC North side. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to what will happen in that game Friday, if how, how much scoring there will be, because Malvern can definitely put on the points, but Strasburg's defense has been a crucial part of the team's success over the last few seasons. And this is, I think, Mitch, for both sides, for us in our respective counties, one of the best times for high school basketball, because as we head into the holiday break, you see teams kind of break away from their league opponents, right? We're going to see league matchups here for about another week or so. And then some teams travel away. They play in these out-of-town tournaments. They play in some local invitationals. And that is what's so intriguing to me is because you see some of these teams around here right now. Like you mentioned, Strasburg off to a phenomenal start. Malvern is having a phenomenal start. And you look up here at teams like Lake and teams like Glen Oak in boys basketball. They're going to test themselves here. And you're going to see where they really stack up because we just talk, we, we cover the teams that we're responsible to cover here in the area. And obviously we'll talk about bigger storylines throughout the state of Ohio when they come up, but you generally know who some of the top teams in the state are. And a lot of these teams like to get out and test themselves. We know what the coaches in our respective leagues and conferences think about each other. We think that they all, they play in the best conference at their division, which I don't think you and I would really disagree with that, with the competition that's there, but to get outside and see how you match up against a different style of basketball and different talent and everything is so much more fun here. And it's going to be interesting to see, but, I do have to ask you, the Highland girls basketball team, Mitch. Yes. I saw their final score last night. This Highland, this Highland girls basketball team seems legit. As they have been over the uh, last few seasons, they've been atop the IBC South for quite a while. And now they're four and three on the seat or they're four and oh in the IBC right now. They've been able to take down some good teams. Uh, and some not as good teams, but actually Mullet right now has been the leading scorer for the Hawks Had 27, I believe last night in their win uh, from this past week. So I'm so she's obviously one of the top players right now, Tusky Valley right behind them at five and one on the year two and zero in the conference. You also have teams like Sandy Valley and Garraway who are also very competitive on that side. It's just that they aren't 
as on the same level. And it's funny you bring up Highland because that was one of the things where it's unlike many other years, the boys team has not gotten off to the strongest of starts. They are two and three on the year. Oh, and two after losing uh, games to Garraway and Sandy Valley, the Cardinals are the breakout team right now on the boys side, five and one overall three and oh, according to the last update from intervalleyconference.com. You also have Tuskegee Valley and Indian Valley kind of near that same spot as well, but really Garraway is the runaway team so far. They are the last unbeaten in the IVC South. They are three and oh, overall the rodents, Alexander and Brady look very, very solid. Uh, all that whole team, that whole team has been a very well-oiled offensive machine. They're able to produce points and they can lock down, especially when they need to. I saw a part of their games against Indian Valley and, uh, you know, Garraway for the last season plus has been very, very solid in lockdown defense. Well, it seems like with Sandy Valley's emergence, that's a team you got to keep your eye on because maybe they weren't picked to be at the top of the IVC, but it seems like they are a team right now that is off to a start surprising people, much like Glen Oak is up here in boys basketball. And one thing I did want to mention in terms of girl ba- girls mm-hmm. basketball right now, it's green. The green girls are atop yes. the federal league. They are undefeated. And what a thriller they played in last night, Mitch. I'm not sure if you saw it. I think you did. And for anybody out there that hasn't seen it, go ahead and head over to our Twitter. Riley Shimaleski of green hitting a deep three pointer as time expired off the glass and in to knock off Lake Lake was a team that had just made a ferocious comeback against the Jackson girls this past Saturday at Lake. They were really rolling. Well, they started the season off four and Oh, tripped up a couple of times, but what a shot from Shimaleski, who is just a, a great team player for green and to see her get that shot and make it and then see how the team erupted and green right now undefeated in federal league play still. So I wanted to make sure we gave them their respect on the girls side because Everybody else in the federal league right now, Mitch has at least two federal league losses. So now a team is going to not only have to beat green the second time around, whether it's at green or at home, but they're also going to have to get help from another federal league team. So that's something to keep an eye on now, because typically in the federal league, a federal league winner in girls basketball never loses more than two when you're talking about a league champion. Of course. And as far as the North side on the girls side uh, in the IVC, Tuscar Central Catholic has that edge over Strasburg because they beat them in New Philly a few weeks ago. And of course, Malvern's right up there too. Maddie Powers, by the way, last year's reigning IVC North player of the year, dropping 32 points uh, in last night's game. So that's, that's, she's, if she keeps it going, she's going to be winning back-to-back uh, player of the year honors. And then you brought up Sandy Valley on the boys side who they were a fi- they were around 500 last year. Overall, 10 and 13, three and nine in conference play. So they've gotten off to it. They've already matched their win total in, in, in conference from last year already. So that's a very good start. But uh, on the girls side, uh, it was funny you brought up Sandy Valley because Indian Valley got a very solid uh, in-conference win. Kind of a stunner, 51-44 last night. And that was a big win for the Braves, their first in-conference win of the season. So that is all we have for this segment on high school sports. When we return, we'll be having more throughout the world of athletics right after this. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you 
the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Trying them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Valla, Mitch. It's time to talk baseball, even though we're in the offseason, because we have one story that pertains to us. Well, one story that doesn't quite pertain to us, but it kind of does. The Cleveland Guardians announced on Thursday that the team has officially signed catcher Mike Zanino to a one-year contract. Now, this is a guy who was an all-star in 2021, uh, hitting 33 home runs, which I believe at the time uh, of this recording is the third most for a catcher in MLB history, and I believe was the most for a catcher among Rays history at the time. Uh, but his his 2022 season was hampered by injuries uh, in which he only batted 148 with 17 hits, five home runs, 16 RBIs. Granted, Mitch, this does seem like a bit of a step up from the catchers, the catching carousel we had last year to the point where Sandy Leone, I think, was on the active roster at one point. Um, that being said, I, I like seeing Luke Maley and seeing what he could do. I like seeing Austin Hedges, and we'll get to the other guy that you 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 mentioned a few days ago, or maybe it was yesterday in a bit. But what do you think of this signing, and do you think this will bring consistency to the Guardians lineup, not just the backstop? Consistency overall as a hitter, no, I don't. Because as a in a career for Mike Zanino, which he has been playing since 2013, broken to the league with Seattle. He's been with the Mariners and the Rays. Zanino's a 200 career hitter. Now we'll throw last year out the window, Mitch, like you said, he was hampered with a certain fracture in his hand, only played 36 games. But consistency in terms of power, Mitch, the answer is yes. 146 home runs in his career in 10 years. And hitting 200, you look at the RBI, 361 RBI. That's going to be a huge boost for the Guardians when you look at somebody else like Austin Hedges, who only has 66 career home runs in eight years and 207 RBIs in his eight-year MLB career. And Hedges overall is a 189 hitter. So average-wise, you're talking about 11 points. 
Defensively, though, Mitch, when we had Austin Hedges, when we got him in the trade from the Padres, it was said to be he was a very, very good defensive catcher. And this past season proved otherwise. He was not very good defensively whatsoever, especially in the playoffs when the Yankees could continue to continue to steal on him. Zunino now has a lot better percentage defensively, but I think the ultimate question here, can he handle the pitching staff? And if he flops, is Bo Naylor ready to take on a huge role? Because I think that's all this is right now. We signed him to a one-year deal worth $6 million in Zunino. Bo Naylor is going to be 23 years old. He's very young, and you're talking about a pretty veteran-laden group in terms of experience, right? Sticks, Tristan McKenzie, we know is very young. We know Shane Bieber is the old guy, and he's still young at the front of that rotation. But these guys have pitched a lot. When you th think about those two, Cal Quantrill, we don't know what's going to happen with Savali and Plezak. Is Bo Naylor ready to assume the role that Hedges and Maley had last year where we gave up outs at the plate because they knew how to call a phenomenal game that led to our pitching staff being yet again one of the top pitching staffs in all of baseball. I think that's the question here is, can there be that seamless transition from an outsider into the clubhouse? And can he just be not even what he was in 2021, Mitch? I'm not asking him for to be an all-star, hit 33 home runs, 62 RBIs. He was 20th in MVP voting. Can you get 20 home runs from that spot? Can you get 20 home runs and 50 RBIs? Because if so, and you have the addition of Josh Bell, you really are down to one spot in your lineup that's a weakness, and it's Miles Straw. And Mitch, I'm willing to bet Miles Straw will not be nearly as bad as he was last year because if you look at his career numbers, it's an anomaly. He had never been that bad in terms of average and everything else offensively at the plate. So we fill a need. Hopefully, Zanidu can stay healthy. And if not, Mitch, can Bo Naylor be thrusted into that role, and can he thrive? I'm hoping that for Bo's sake and maybe for the organization's sake, unless he were completely fit into that role immediately that you take this season to keep developing him. And, you know, if Zanino is essentially a one-year rental, then that's okay because your third season up in the big leagues, you, you could probably get it in by that point to make Bo your starter. Now, Chris Antonetti, I believe did say it in his Thursday press conference that they are still, you know, focusing in on trying to make sure that Bo gets accustomed to the major league game. And I'm fine with that. It is more so a focus on defense, I think for Zanino than anything else, because the power is there. The power yep. can be can be can be more of a presence than anything that Hedges or Maley brought to the lineup last year. But you look at some of the defensive uh, performances. He was Wilson's defensive player of the year at catcher in 2018. Uh, in those 10 years between Seattle and Tampa Bay, he not only ranks some, uh, among third among catchers in home runs, he is sixth in catcher earned run average at 3.75. He is tied for 10th in defensive runs saved with 51. So the guy can be a serviceable at least a serviceable uh stop behind there i i'm wondering if there is that possibility of him not working immediately and then you might have to rush in that spot to nailer uh, especially if uh we might have uh the bug that has hampered that position for many of the last few seasons the injury bug come to bite zanino as it did to hedges as it did to Maley, as it did to roberto perez it's uh um, Gomes too. I mean, you, you can trace it all the way back practically, Mitch, to Victor Martinez, because a lot of people yeah. tend to forget Carlos Santana was a catcher when we got him in the trade from the Dodgers. And they got ran over and, in Boston, yeah. And then they moved him to first base. And really, when you talk about power in terms of a catcher for the Cleveland baseball organization, both Indians and now Guardians, there has not been a consistent 
power hitting catcher we've had since Santana. And even then the sample size is small. Jan Gomes maybe, but it goes all the way back to 2008 with Victor Martinez, Mitch. We have not had a power hitting threat at the catcher position every time he steps into the box since Victor Martinez. And so that's a position that it's also hard to find in baseball, Mitch. I mean, they don't just grow on trees, right? That's why Salvador Perez is always named one of the top catchers right now in baseball. We know Yadier Molina will, well, I can't say will be, he should be. We know how the voters get, should be a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. You have Buster Posey. I mean, you talk about top catchers in our lifetime. And really it's a small list when you talk about everyday production at the plate and behind the plate. So am I expecting the world of Mike Zanino? No, I'm not. But am I hoping that it's obviously better than Austin Hedges or Luke Maley when you were lucky if they got three hits out of their tenant bats last year, let alone two? I think this has to be an upgrade if he stays healthy. I think of it more as like, Mike Napoli or Alex Avila, if you drop like 40 points from his batting average, yeah, guy who can play backstop, play the, the, the catcher position well enough, provide you with power, maybe surprise you at times. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we're going to, I'm hoping we get an all-star out of, out of you this year, but who knows one guy who was not an all-star last year. And, and you would know it from the way that uh, certain somebody thinks about him. Uh, was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, by the way, to make a roster spot clearance for Zanino. And that is Owen Miller. Owen Miller's been traded to the Milwaukee Brewers for a player to be named later in order to create the spot. Uh, You know, Miller just kind of bounced around the organization last year, filling in at times when needed. Had a few standout moments, but otherwise uh, it was a bit of a tougher year uh, for Miller. So Mitch kind of just air out your grievances and talk about what the brewers might be getting in here for, uh, for the 26 year old. Oh, Owen Miller, man, where to start. I mean, just the fond memories we have together. He led major league baseball and sacrifice flies. I watched him drop a ball at first base on a throw over multiple times. I've watched him drop pop flies at first base. I was also at a game that went 15 innings because he couldn't field a ground ball at second base. We had some of the best of times. We had literally the worst of times, literally. Um, I'm actually, I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, we should be ecstatic that we got a player to be named later and cash for him. Uh, maybe a change of scenery is all he needs. But Mitch, um, if you follow me on Twitter, I know you do, but anybody out in the audience follows me on Twitter. Uh, you would know I was not very happy with Owen Miller throughout the last month and a half of the season. Playoffs, yeah. Playoffs. Um, you had to bench him for a rookie that I think had eight at bats all year at the major league level in Gabriel Arias. And he ended up getting more hits than Owen Miller. Owen Miller is a guy that needs to figure out what position he is. We got him in a trade as middle infielder. We moved him to first base and also tried to bounce him back to middle infield. He is just not good enough to be on this team at, let alone after the Josh Bell acqu- acquisition, let alone after Andres Jimenez, you know, one of the top, if not the top second baseman defensively, Ahmed Rosario with a breakout season. And you also have like 9 million different middle infield prospects still down there in the farm. I'm happy he's gone. I would also like to note, I have a very close childhood neighbor neighborhood friend that was very sad. We got yeah. rid of him. Um, Try to tell me he was good, Mitch. Sure. Um, I think what we had here was one of those awful cases of where you watch the game with your TV turned off. Um, I think that's the only explanation I have for why he tried to tell me Owen Miller was good uh, because anybody that has any eyesight at all and watched any guardians baseball this past season 
would know that after the month of April, Owen Miller was not a good Major League Baseball player. Speedy Boy, though, had the fastest, uh, what was it, fastest sprint speed in all of all Major League first basemen at 29 feet per second. So he's got, got that going for him. Well, yeah, Miguel Cabrera, who's 500 years old, is still playing. He's holding down the, the slowness over there. And Owen Miller would beat him in a foot race. Yeah. And you knew it was coming too with Josh Bell coming over, be, being lampooned at first base. It, it was just going to happen. So that was all for the Guardian stuff. The big story that happened in baseball while we were out was uh, the the massive contract that was handed out by the San Francisco Giants. And as you saw from our thumbnail from a few episodes ago, it was not to Aaron Judge, despite initial reports. It was Carlos Correa, 13 years, $350 million. Dollars, which eclipses Francisco Lindor's highest paid ever contract for a shortstop. Mitch, that was a bit of a surprise. Like a lot of reports kept saying like, oh, it's going to be the Yankees. Oh, it's going to be the Mets. It's not going to be the twins. So like, the Cubs. Cubs, yeah, maybe, but uh, I, didn't I was, believe it, but you have the team. I was surprised when San Francisco pulled that out because San Francisco's had a rough off season. They have not gotten the guys that they wanted to go get. Uh, you, you have players in there like, you know, Mitch Hanniger's fine. You got a couple of other guys in there as well uh the other ones that i was mentioning but i don't I, i'm i'm it's a good pickup but i i'm just not i didn't compute it the first time i saw the breaking news i think what happened here is that the giants struck out on the biggest target right they wanted aaron judge they wanted to bring the hometown kid home and realistically mitch from what we heard Obviously, oh, speaking of which, I'm sorry. Owen Miller is a hometown kid. Now he's in Milwaukee too. I just wanted to point that out too. Oh, good Let's for go him. Sorry. Good for him. Good to go home. Um, obviously, Aaron Judge did not go to San Francisco, although it was reported like he did for about three minutes. Hmm. The Los Angeles Dodgers lost their star shortstop in Trey Turner. Mm -hmm. I think what you have here was the fact the Giants needed to make a splash, and they were not going to let the Dodgers be the guy that signs Carlos Correa because this contract is insane. Yeah. Carlos Correa is 28 years old. This is a 13 year deal that is going to take him till he's 41. Mitch, I am willing to bet this is going to be a Bobby Bonilla like deal and he will not be playing baseball at the age of 41, at least not at the level they're paying him right now. This is a contract they're paying for his production in eight years in the big leagues. This is a guy that is a 279 career hitter. He has 155 home runs, 553 RBIs, although there's asterisks because, you know, he knew what pitches were coming. We'll have to see what he does now, you know, a couple years later. That's neither here nor there. I mean, Mitch, the thing in baseball is typically once you get into the early 30s, mid 30s, your production falls off. There's not many people that can, you know, show they can play baseball for that long of a time. $350 million for 13 years is going to bite them in the butt. I honestly think they did it because to your point, they have missed out on players. They still have perhaps one of their biggest players out on the free agent market and Carlos Rodon in a starting pitcher. And the Dodgers needed a shortstop. And I think this is more of them saying, we're going to make a splash and make sure he can't go to LA because maybe LA was offering him 320. Maybe it was 330. We don't know. We won't know. But this was shocking. Not shocking he went there. Shocking of what type of deal he was able to get. And credit to him, right? You can't hate the player. Players just doing taking the best offer he got. So you can't hate Carlos Correa for that. But the Giants, I feel like, Mitch, this is something they're going to regret. You know, you're not actually you're actually not the first person to kind of voice a 
difference in opinion of, of the Giants because there were a number of people that I saw not yesterday and today that were kind of voicing similar opinions. One, for example, and I don't watch a lot of high heat on MLB, MLB Network a lot, but Mad Dog Chris Russo uh, criticized the deal as an awful, awful contract. He said, quote, the Giants aren't winning anything. I know they were desperate. They fell short of Aaron Judge. Nobody's going to buy tickets to see Mitch Hanniger and Shamanea and Ross Stripling. I understand that, but also nobody's going to buy tickets in the Bay area for Carlos Correa either. Unquote. Now keep in mind, he, he did kind of mention Correa as a superstar while also saying he can't get tickets sold. I understand the thinking in that Aaron judge right now is the most marketable player in major league baseball. You could say Mike Trout, you could say uh, Bryce Harper. No, the guy who had 62 home runs and one MVP last year is the guy he's the guy. Correa is a very, very solid player worthy of the number one pick. He was back in 2009, 10. Um, but I was reading this one here from sports Illustrated's Jack Vita. You mentioned, he mentions some of the things you mentioned. Correa will be 41 years old when the deal runs out. It's very unlikely that you're going to be still playing the same level of play when you're in your early forties compared to your late twenties. He said, since making his big league debut in 2015, Correa has spent eight seasons in the big leagues. In only three of them, he has played 111 games or more. Of course, one of those was the COVID-stricken year. Another year was his debut season, which he didn't get a call from midway through the year. And he's had some injuries in the past. And in those eight big league seasons, Correa has finished in the top 15 in the American League MVP voting just once, two years ago, when he finished fifth. So he's been a two-time All-Star, too. So it's a very hefty sum for a guy who doesn't have the kind of numbers you would normally expect from somebody to warrant that sort of a contract. I mean, even Vita even says it here, Cubs fans seem to think the club just missed out on the opportunity to acquire Alex Rodriguez in his prime. Correa is not a rod. Yeah, he's not. And Mitch, he's only made two all-star games. This is a position now in the national league that is loaded Xander Bogart's leaving the Red Sox to go to the Padres. Trey Turner stays at the NL going to the Phillies. Dansby Swanson is still a free agent. He's an all-star as well. Where is he going to go? Francisco Lindor on the Mets. I mean, you're talking about some of the biggest names in baseball that play the same exact position. And now he's going to get moved, obviously, after the contract. But Fernando Tatis was a shortstop that played an all-star game. I mean, this is just, it's hard to see where the Dodger, or excuse me, the Giants valued him for this type of money. Because given some of the numbers you just put out there, and I have his stats pulled up here, he won Rookie of the Year, right? We know he beat out Lindor for Rookie of the Year back in 2015. But to your point, Mitch, there's been nothing else that really sets him aside as the top shortstop in baseball, which is what they practically just paid for. Mm -hmm. Not only the top shortstop in baseball, one of the top overall players in baseball. And I think one thing that comes with this territory now And we talked about this weeks ago about Judge. If he would have went to San Francisco, would they have been as hot of a commodity? Because we talked about it. They won three World Series in a six-year span. Nobody really talked about him. This is a guy, though, Mitch, who's still looked at as a villain in baseball because of what happened with the Astros, because of how adamant he was that they did not cheat. There was plenty of interviews where they questioned him. He goes, no, 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 we didn't do that. We didn't do that. And he's one. Obviously, we know the Astros still get booed, and a lot of that core of when it happened is still together, but Mitch on the outside looking in, he's still one that's looked at as a villain. And I think that's a reason people are still upset at this as well, because he besides Garrett Cole is really, well, I guess you could say George Springer too, 
but he's gotten the biggest payday out of anybody from that Astros team that won the World Series back in 2017. Yeah, I I, I think the second title, this World Series, kind of may have subsided that hate a little bit. I still think it's there. Um, I, San Francisco fans will be fine with him once they have him on their team. But that's another thing, too. San Francisco won 100 seven games in 2021 the most in their franchise history they went back to 500 this year so it's time to win now like after that after that complete disappointment it's time to win with this core especially when it looks like the dodgers might be on their way out yep not maybe not this year but who knows and the padres we'll we'll see if they ever get it together even though they made it to the nlcs well to your point the giants are proving it's win now You've already struggled with starting pitching this past year, and you have yet to re-sign your number one free agent from your own team and Carlos Rodon. Yep. Like that, you struggled in that department, and you have yet to address it in terms of the level of play Rodon brings to you when he's on the mound. And he's left-handed. I mean, you don't yeah. see many left-handed pitchers that are that great. But to your point, Mitch, the Padres window is really two years because they have Juan Soto still. And now you factor in Xander Bogart's deal. I know there's no cap in baseball, but at some point the money runs out mm-hmm. and they're in a spot now where they're really in a two-year window because they're going to have to let somebody go. Some people have mentioned, are they going to trade Tatis after the whole steroid thing we saw? And the Dodgers, Mitch, are getting up there in age. We know nothing lasts forever, but they still have the money. They have the attraction of being in Los Angeles, but Justin Turner right now is a free agent. They will not give him what he wants. Kershaw's back at a one-year deal. Trey Turner's gone. I mean, Mookie Betts is still going to be one of the top players in baseball. Yep. They still have some phenomenal starting pitching. You look at someone like Walker Bueller right away, but maybe the Giants did this as a move for, well, obviously for the future for 13 years, but they're going to have to put something together right now or else I don't know how they do much better than they did last season. By the way, the first, the last time the Giants signed a player to a hundred million dollar plus contract was seven years ago in a six year, $130 million deal to starting pitcher Johnny Cueto, who at last check uh, was with the Chicago White Sox last year, finished with a record of eight and 10. So we'll go over now to our commercial break and we'll come back with our NFL pickums for this coming week. Stay with us. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate title and escrow transactions. 
They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too all care all care Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. Mitch, it's time to now go over to our pickups for Week 15 of the National Football League season, and it is now time to start off with our Thursday night matchup. Man, we have an NFC West matchup in Seattle, where we have the nine and four San Francisco 49ers coming off a huge blowout of over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With again, Brock Purdy is your starting quarterback, and he made Tampa Bay look like chumps on Sunday up against the 7-6 and six Seattle Seahawks, who lost surprisingly to Carolina this week at home. Yeah, Mr. Relevant, going for his career as in as many weeks, he is listed as questionable. He is expected to suit up. Mitch, I've said it all year. I'm going to ask you if you remember what I've said all year about some certain teams in here and a side of the ball. Do you know what I've said all year? What have you said all year? Defense travels. Niners yeah. have the top defense in the NFL, and they're on the road. I believe it's going to travel. I am taking the Niners with the points tonight. I'm taking the Niners as well. I wonder if Seattle here might tail off in the next couple of weeks and San Francisco runs away with the NFC West. So Saturday, we have a slate of games, one of which we'll get to later on. Uh, we have the Colts and the Vikings at 1 p.m. Minnesota, a four-point favorite despite losing uh, this past week, and the Colts just trying to find their identity. It's four, eight and one right now coming off that loss to Dallas, which good God, that fourth quarter. Um, I, this is tough because the Vikings, the Vikings kind of surprised me with, by losing to the lions, give credit to the lions. They are, they're playing well right now, but I'll still take the favorites in this one just to be safe. Ooh, wow. I'm a lone wolf over here, Mitch. I am taking the Indianapolis Colts because okay. I believe the Minnesota Vikings are starting to trend downward. Okay. All right. So then we over now to the night game dolphins against the bills. Bills are a seven point favor and the bills seem like they're really uh, tr trucking things along. And Miami, however, has uh, lost two straight, including to the chargers where again, I, I could not believe when I turned on my TV uh, uh, that night and saw two attack of Iowa, three of 17 passing. Does he get it? back on track against this bill's defense this week or is this going to be another easy one for buffalo he might get it back on track this weekend mitch but it's not going to be enough to win uh two has never won a game in the nfl 
when the temperature is below 50 degrees. Uh, this is supposed to be cold and snowy in Buffalo. And I'm rolling with the Buffalo Bills also because it seems like the Dolphins have this mentality, like the weather doesn't matter. Weather, weather does play a factor sometimes, folks, especially when you're a team from the South that plays in a dome that constantly puts the opposing team's bench in the sun so you don't have to get too hot during a game. The Bills are going to throttle the Dolphins on Saturday night. Bills clinch a playoff berth with a victory. So then over on Sunday, the Eagles take on the Bears. Eagles are among the team, the league's best. Bears among the team's worst. Philly's a nine-point favorite. I think this is probably an easy one for both of us. Yep. Yeah. Eagles. We're go- you're going Eagles both. Falcons and Saints, NFC South, primetime matchup. Saints are four-point favorites. Um, Falcons, Falcons... They, they, they probably have the best chance of anybody to catch the Buccaneers at this point, but I don't know. Saints already beat the Falcons, although early on in the season. I'm just not feeling the Saints in this one. I'm going Falcons. I believe Desmond Ritter is getting his first career NFL start, if I'm he not is. mistaken, and so I'm going to go with the Saints. Okay, so then we go over to Lions and the Jets. Now, this is the one where – like two teams that are kind of really fighting for playoff spots right now. The Jets are point and a half favorites going up against these upstart Lions. And looking at these standings here for the conferences, the Jets are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, not ninth in the standings at seven and six. And the Lions, of course, a little further back in their six and seven, but they have the opportunity to uh, jump over teams if they get a win this week and see teams like Seattle and the Giants lose. Is this the game, Mitch, that Detroit really makes its stake in being like, okay, we're here. We're going to fight for a playoff seed now. We're not going to just go away this year and get a top 15 pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Lions are going to win this game, Mitch. They're just a fun football team. I don't know if you got to see Dan Campbell's interview on the Pat McAfee show this week where last week they had the play called a penny Sewell that he agreed to, but he was not paying attention to what was being asked to him because he was so fascinated with the wave going on inside his own stadium. (laughs) And they still converted a pass play to an offensive tackle who got a first down. That means everything's going right right now for him. Mike White still banged up. He's supposed to start this week, which means if he's hurt, it'll be Flacco in relief. I just, I think this is going to be a high scoring game because Detroit's defense is so bad and the jets have a pretty good defense, but I think Detroit's offense is just clicking in all cylinders, but I do like the lions here. I think you talked me into it. I think I'm going to go with Detroit in this one as well. And if I'm, oh, if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm taking the lions for once in my life. Um, Steelers and Panthers. Panthers are three point favorites, which tells you everything you need to know about the Steelers. I'll say Panthers just because it's a home thing. I don't, I have no idea. I'm taking the Steelers. I just don't, I don't trust the Panthers right now. Although if they were to win this game, Mitch, it makes everything very interesting for week 16, 17, and 18 coming down the stretch. It'll just be one game behind Tampa Bay. And Steve Wilkes, I think if they win this game, Mitch is going to be looked at as the head coach for the Panthers for next season. And if not, I expect him to be a coach that gets interviews this off season when jobs open up. I do agree with that. So we'll, I'll take uh I'll take Carolina in this one. Um, so Cowboys against the Jaguars. Cowboys barely got by Houston last week, which to me, Mitch, even though they're four-point favorites going on the road, this might be one that could be prime for people to take an upset on because Trevor Lawrence looked and company looked pretty solid uh, against the Titans uh, last week. I'm, 
I'm not a huge Trevor Lawrence buyer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, I am in a certain group chat with some folks that felt the need to boast that he was AFC player of the week. Um, folks, Baker Mayfield had done that before and Baker Mayfield was also NFC player of the week. So I'm, I'm going to stay here on the Cowboys. I think they win this game a lot more convincingly than they did against the Houston Texans last week. I, I actually hope I'm not wrong because I don't like the Jaguars at all. Lawrence, 3,200 yards passing so far, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions heading into this Sunday, which is a step up from 12, 17 last year uh, under all that nonsense. So then going back to the schedule here, which I just clicked away from and now I'm back chiefs against the Texans. Let's move on. They're 14 and a half point favorites, by the way, which that, that oh boy. Um, Can we just talk about though, how it was a bigger spread last week for the Cowboys and Texans. That's true. And because the Texans made it close, that lowered the spread against a team that has a way better offense than the Cowboys. Yeah. To me, that's insane. Yeah. That's, that's oh boy. Cardinals Broncos. Kyler Murray's out for the season. Now with that injury, I, I saw it happen watching Monday night football live. That was tough and don't we're, we're not going to make any particular jokes or references about a certain thing going after that um the, 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 does denver catch a break this week they are three-point favorites um on the pick'em sheet mitch i just po- put that i just hope both teams have fun because their seasons are lost um and i'm not going to pay in any attention to this game so i just hope both teams go out there and have fun let's see russell wilson i th- believe was doubtful for uh the game maybe questionable so we're, uh, we're gonna get a colt mccoy versus brett rippon game great awesome cool all right so then we go over to patriots raiders patriots one raiders uh did not coming out of this uh yeah no i can't mm. patriots offense is so anemic man i watched that game against the cardinals it just it feels like it's sputtering but I could see the Raiders somehow falling apart in the last second of this game. Like they did the week before. Like they've done four other times this, this year when they're up by 13 points or more. <laughs> no kidding. Um, I originally had Raiders here, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't see Bill Belichick losing to his former coordinator. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm taking yeah. the Patriots. I, is, I think it's the safe bet is the Patriots, but we'll see. It's only a one point difference between Vegas as the favorite uh, Titans and chargers Titans really need to get back in the win column after dropping one unnecessarily last week. Chargers, man, they're still in the race, but they need to pick it up here. If they want to get a, a comfortable wild card spot and they're three point favorites at SoFi. And they need to make a run here and their run's going to stop as soon as this weekend. Because I think the Titans beat the Chargers this weekend. I think the Chargers are going to be very high off that win over the Dolphins. But there's one common denominator here. You have one coach who coaches using analytics, and you have another coach that's going to get in his players' faces after being embarrassed at home last week mm-hmm. and doesn't want to make the playoff race any closer in the AFC South, and that's Mike Vrabel. And I'm going to take a football guy over an analytics guy any day of the week, and I'm taking the Titans. Titans still at seven and six, fourth in the, the AFC race. Uh, and there are plenty of games ahead of Jackson, the likes of Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and Houston. So they have some room to mess up, but you, but it would be in their best interest to not keep messing yeah. up. Um, that being said, I, I, I think I'm going to have to take uh, – you might have – I think I'm going to take Chargers. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it if I'm wrong, then so be it. Uh, Bengals and Bucks, 425, three and a half. It's only three and a half, and you're taking Cincinnati, huh? 
there's no need to talk about this game anymore. I don't care if Tom Brady's on the roster. It's it's over at this point. It's let's move along. Like, that's the thing about Brady is that everyone's saying, oh, it, this is the end. It's a complete wash. Compared to many other quarterbacks' numbers, it really could be a lot worse. But to the standard that we're known to seeing him at, and and the, the the way that his teams have been able to operate in the past, it does feel very different. It's a strange circumstance. Here, here's all I'll say is I do have another friend named Mitch out there, Mitch. He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Yes. He says it's over. And this dude has been so right about his team the past two years. He has announced that this season's over. He thinks as soon as they lose the next game for them to be eliminated, which to be honest, probably won't happen because they'll probably sneak their way into the playoffs. He thinks the coach will be fired. This is, this team is just not good. Let's just, they're not good. This could be his last year in, this could be comparable to his last year in New England, where he only went 4,000 yards passing, 24 Mm -hmm. touchdowns, eight interceptions. And that was just kind of like the tail off Henry losing the wild card round to the Titans and a big upset. So we'll see. I'm, I'm still picking them to win the South and and get to the playoffs, but whether or not they will be a serious contender is still up for discussion. Are you taking the Bengals? Yeah, I'm taking the Bengals. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't didn't mean to get off track there. Uh, Giants and commanders. This is the one where I think Washington overtakes the giants in the race. They avenge that tie which only happened like what, two weeks ago, which is crazy. And two then oh, mm, I, I I'm taking Washington on this one. I, I like where they're going. It's not like they're shooting up. They're kind of like trickling up right now. And the giants are, were up here for a lot of the season. Now it's just falling off free fall. It's, it's such, it, it sucks to see that because I like what Brian Dable has been able to do with that team. And hopefully they can build upon that, but Washington's going to take this one. I agree. I actually think this is going to be a very entertaining game. I think these teams are just so. even across the board. They're so even, Mitch, they tied. That's how even they are. Um, yeah. I do like, I do like Washington here, though. I do think this is where they'll overtake them and really kind of stake their claim in what would be one of the final wildcard spots. And should one of the, should they not tie again, the loser could very well be out of the playoff picture if Detroit wins this weekend. Well, whoever wins this will take the sixth seed going into the following week because Washington, New York, both have the same records. And then Seattle's oh, right. Unless they tie again. Yeah, the tie. Uh, they could tie again, which would be very interesting. And then I believe it would it would keep them. Well, it depends on what Seattle and, and Detroit yeah. do because Seattle's seven and six and Detroit is six and seven. Green Bay. Okay, Green Bay we'll get to in a second here because – uh, that is our last game, our second last game, Monday night Rams and Packers, a game that I'm very, very confident that ESPN thought would be m- for much higher stakes than it is at this point in the year. You can just tell from the placement of the game and the two teams Packers are seven point favorites. I don't think that's crazy to, 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 to put out there. I think this is where Aaron Rodgers at least calms the fans down a little bit and is able to get a serviceable win, keep their playoff hopes alive for at least this week. Whether or not that that comes to fruit, I don't know. And it it's hard for me to say it will happen. Yeah. There are some sites that have the Packers at 66% still to make the playoffs. Hmm. I think that is the fact that they are just buying stock in Aaron Rodgers, and they necessarily don't believe in either Washington and the Giants, Seattle, and Detroit. I'm taking the Packers here, though. I am. This is, this is in green Bay. Um, you wonder if Baker's going to have some 
you know, flashbacks to Christmas last year where he was in Green Bay and was just absolutely awful and ruined everyone in Cleveland's Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Packers here. Yeah, Green Bay right now is tied with Carolina and Atlanta at five and eight for a wild card spot, but they would win based on the strength of victory. And uh, the division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Atlanta, but Carolina Carolina wins tiebreaker over Atlanta based on best win percentage in their in division games. <sighs> All right, so the penultimate Christmas game for the Browns is against the Ravens, and normally I would have had this one pick solidified in the bag up until a few weeks ago because the Browns return home. They host the first place Ravens who do not have their quarterback for this week and may not have their second quarterback at hundred percent. You still have Tyler Huntley dealing with some of the stuff that he was dealing with after the Steelers game. That being said, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa out for the season, David Bell questionable for the game. Deshaun Watson, Still need to get his head together. Still need to get his his uh, uh, sea legs under him. Is this one that we can pick with confidence? It's the Browns. Or are you going to keep going on this on this bus that you've been driving since week two? Oh, you said pick the Browns with confidence. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's yeah. funny. Um, no, no, I don't care. That's that's what I have put in here again. Who cares? Because on one side you have a team that's still fighting for a division title. Yes. And you have a defense that's been talking all week about how they want to bring pain to Deshaun Watson, like Marcus Peters said. And this is a team that has a very strong defensive line, some very good linebackers, a good secondary. This is Deshaun Watson's first game in Cleveland as a Cleveland Brown in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just don't like how the Browns players are talking this week. Miles Garrett today um, said the Browns are still in quote spoiler mode, but clinging to hopes of making a playoff cameo appearance. Yes, Miles, we know you're at zero point four percent chance. Yes. Okay. This isn't even me just being like, oh, I just can't pick. This is me just thinking. I don't think the Browns are going to win this game. I think that the the Baltimore Ravens are that fired up. I don't. I haven't seen enough fire from the Browns. I kind of feel like the loss to the Bengals last week, Mitch, hurt them. Obviously, we know it hurt them in terms of the playoff standings, but hurt them mentally too because they had been so dominant. They were so confident going into that game. You had the Browns' Twitter tweeting when they landed in Kentucky. I mean, you had Miles Garrett posting hype videos of Joe Burrow hyping him up. I'm, I don't know. I think part of me wants the Browns to lose. Part of me doesn't want to see anything equate to wins here the last four weeks because I'm on the on the bus that's been going since Atlanta of fire Kevin Stefanski. Um. With that being said, Amari Cooper still banged up. And like you said, David Bell's questionable. I'm I'm gonna take the Ravens here just because I think they're playing for so much more than what the Browns are. Um, but don't worry, don't worry. I'll still be tuned in at 4 30 p.m. on Saturday afternoon with a Browns jersey on of some sort, some color, some player, telling myself that we can win this game and still make the playoffs. Don't you worry. Yeah, you still have the chance, and uh, you know. It- Look, the Bengals loss wasn't great. A loss is never great. If you had told me right after Lamar Jackson got his injury with the two upcoming games, which one would you bet uh, on the Browns winning more than the other? It's It, w- it would have been this one. Cincinnati w- was still particularly healthy coming back, even though they didn't play great in the first half. Joe Burrow's still there. You, you had a big game uh, from a number of other players, and the defense stepped up. Baltimore, with your second string, maybe not at 100%, 
isn't as strong as they are with Lamar, who's a big part of their offense. And if the defense or if the, the Browns office can push back the Ravens defense enough, they could do something to where it could not only be a victory for the Browns, it could be a very quality victory for the Browns. Not saying by 28 points, but I'm I'm curious. I'm going to take the Browns on this one, kind of a leap of faith. And if I'm wrong, then then I'm wrong. And our, our playoff appearances or our, our playoff chances, excuse me, go the way of the Dodo. I just want to, I want to bring this up because it, it happened today mm-hmm. and it furthermore proves my case for why I can't have any confidence in this team. Okay. Did you see what our past game coordinator and defensive backs coach said today? That one slipped by me. Go ahead and tell me. So as, as everybody knows, it's out there. If you watch the Browns or the Bengals or NFL football in general, the Bengals did not play against the Browns last week with oh, T yeah. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. And the question of the week or of the day, and then, you know, the rest of the week has been, why did the Browns not double team Jamar chase as the Bengals had a bunch of no buddies on the field with him? 15 targets, 10 catches, uh, the Browns pass game coordinator today said Jeff Howard, Jeff Howard acknowledged it was a tough adjustment versus the Bengals. When the wide receivers Higgins and Boyd left early, they weren't sure if they would come back and had planned all week to face all three wide receivers, not just Jamar chase. That is one of the worst answers you could have given because the answer, the question everybody wanted to know was why did you make no adjustments? And so you just thought that the guys that didn't play at all at the start of the game were just going to magically come back in the second half. I just, I don't get it. This is a team. This has been the Achilles heel of the Browns all season long, offensively and defensively. They make no adjustments in game. And this furthermore just proves that they don't, they can't, it looks like Mitch. Like they're once again, you have a smart coaching staff that is either out thinking themselves so hard that they can't even assess the simplest parts of football that we can see on our couches. Okay. I don't, I don't care what people say about couch coaches. Everybody knew that we should be doubling Jamar chase and we just never did. And they weren't sure if they were coming back. How about you double team Jamar chase until you see him back on the field? I mean, is that too far fetched? Am I, am I off, off base there? You could have done that. You could have done that. I think his silver lining is that he won't have to face anybody at the caliber of a Higgins or Boyd, or Chase this week for Baltimore. Look, it's not going to be easy, but it's possible. What do you guys think is going to happen Sunday, or I guess Saturday in this case? It was weird how that game was flexed to Saturday. Um, Yeah, yeah. give us your thoughts down below, whichever section you're on, and uh, we'll be right back right after this break. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving, and we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostren Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. 
You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Trying them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, final segment here between Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bally here talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers now. It's time to go back to basketball because uh, the Cavs had an interesting week, uh, lost in San Antonio and a close one, kind of surprisingly because San Antonio is one of the league's worst, but they were able to pick up a good victory over Dallas last night, 105 to 90, that had the Cavs get off to a good start in the first period, better start in the second period, and kind of play even the rest of the way. They're now 18 and 11 uh, going into uh, their next contest, which I believe is this coming Friday night against the Pacers. Mitch, good victory for Cleveland to get on the road. They're actually just six and nine on the road this year compared to the two losses they have at home. But when you look at the team where they are right now, Don Mitchell has far and away just been their, their number one guy, even though we've said in the past, Jared Allen's the most important player on the floor right now for the Cavs. The team was running on all cylinders the other night, much more so than they did against the Spurs. Are, are you feeling comfortable as a Cavs fan right now? Not to say that, you know, I expect this team to be a playoff finisher. Not to say not to say playoff contender yet because there's still many teams in the East. But do you feel comfortable as a Cavs fan at this point in the season, based on what is it now? Nearly 30 games we've gotten into uh, this season, so we're more than we're about what is it? Uh, over a third of the way done. Yes, Mitch, I do feel confident as a Cavs fan because not only are we 18 and 11 and third in the Eastern Conference, we have made home court matter. Right. You mentioned we've only lost two games there so far. And the interesting nugget is we do return home Friday. We now play six straight games at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. All right. So this is a place where the Cavs have thrived all season long and they need to continue to thrive there because they welcome in some tough opponents coming up. But we'll get there in a sec. I feel confident because Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. Mm-hmm. And I feel confident that we are winning games like this. It's crazy to me that we went and beat the Mavericks that have probably a top three candidate for MVP right now, at least preseason top candidate in Luka Doncic, and we lost to the Spurs. Hmm. 
Mitch, we are winning right now with Donovan Mitchell playing. Really, realistically, Mitch, he should be talked about as an MVP candidate. Let's just be honest right here. And everybody is more worried about Darius Garland. I'm not worried. Darius Garland is 22 years old. He is young. He's younger than both of us sitting here right now talking about. He got to play last year as the number one option on the team. He signed a deal in the offseason, and he is worth every single penny of it. But then you bring in a superstar in Donovan Mitchell. I think it's taken Darius a little bit more to try to gel with him, right? Not only that, but this is a guy who missed time with his eye poked and then had to come back and try to find that the meshing with Donovan Mitchell that he just hadn't yet. I'm not worried about Darius Garland, Mitch. There were people the other night who were up in arms about his performance against San Antonio. Yes, it was bad, but guess what? Every player in the NBA has a bad game. Everyone does. There's going to be times later on here in the next couple of months, Donovan Mitchell has a bad game. And I want to know if the same people that I woke up to on Twitter that wanted to trade Darius Garland. What? want to trade Donovan Mitchell if he has a bad, yes. You ever talk about being triggered at five in the morning, Mitch? I was triggered at five in the morning to wake up and see people wanted to trade Darius Garland. It's a regular season game. Like he's 22 years old. It takes a while for these guys to mesh. Not to mention Jared Allen's been out for how long, Mitch? And we talked about it when the Cavs kind of started to falter without him. I love where this team's at. This is a top six team in the East. But Mitch, to my next point, this is where they have to prove they are, right? You say you're this really tough team to play at home. Okay, prove it. You have six games to prove it. You play the Pacers. You play the Mavericks. You play the Jazz. You play the Bucks. You play the Raptors. And you play the Brooklyn Nets, your next six games. Yep. Mitch, if I'm not mistaken, are all those six teams in the playoff picture either in the uh, top six or in the uh, play-in? The worst recorded team you have right now is at Dallas at 14 and 14. And even then, currently in the standings, they are ninth. So they would be a play-in seed. The rest of the teams are better. You're playing playoff caliber basketball right now, because let's be honest, I don't don't know how the Mavericks wouldn't get a top. Well, I don't know. Basketball's been crazy this year, but if we're putting takes out there, I assume the Mavericks will figure it out and become a top six seed in the West. But this is where you can prove it now. This is where you want Darius Garland to get comfortable. And this is where that the home crowd needs to treat it like playoff games because that's essentially what these are because Eastern Conference team in Indiana, Eastern Conference team in Milwaukee, Eastern Conference in Toronto, who's 2-0 against you this year, and Eastern Conference against Brooklyn. Milwaukee also 2-0 against us, I believe, this year, both in Milwaukee. Four games against teams that you very well could see in the first round of the playoffs, in a play-in tournament, or in the second round of the playoffs if you get there. I'm excited for this stretch, Mitch. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. But how do you feel about the Cavs? Well, first of all, I want to take back what I said about Dallas because Toronto has a losing record 13-15, and 15, but even then they're 10th in the standings in the East. Yeah. As far as I feel about the Cavs, I'm feeling fine for where they are right now. Don Mitchell has been proving once again. I'd say top five player in this season right now. I don't know necessarily a front runner for most valuable player, but he should get some consideration based on the fact that, you know, with these sorts of trades, you never know how they're going to be able to mesh well with new teammates in a new city uh, with a new system. And Mitchell has been very, very well gelled into that whole scheme for the Cavs. There are times where I do worry about Garland, not just based on his ability to keep the ball out of turnovers. And, you know, sometimes he tries to play hero ball, sometimes a little too much to my liking, but he does make a number of the shots. That's what's crazy about it is that I'll be, I'll be worried that he'll take this late three pointer from 40 feet away and it goes in and all my, my problems wash away. 
Uh, Mobley, Evan Mobley, I'm still good with. I just want to make sure he gets his offensive game going to where he can break out for a dominant night. Kind of like a, with a guy like Robert Parrish used to do with the uh, the old Celtics teams in the 80s, where if, even if Bird and uh, McHale had a good night, Parrish could maybe break out a 30-point game and, and really help the team in spots they need to, need help in. Um, my thing right now is just on Karis LeVert, just make sure that he can be a consistent fifth or a guy coming off the bench when he's struggling, as he was early on in the season. Because you got guys right now like Kevin Love, who are who is one of the top yeah. six men in the league. Jetty Osmond had a great start to this year, kind of sliding a little bit, but still at a point where I'm I'm comfortable with him as the seventh man. We don't have a lot of bench players really to flex around. We only really have three or four guys consistently coming out to sub in for the starters. I mean, you're 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 bottom guy among that core is right right now is Raul Nato right now. And then after that, it's just sort of, and he'll be gone soon play. He'll be gone soon. Ricky Rubio has already been cleared to start five on five drills in practice. You have to assume he'll probably be back by the end of January and Dean Wade's on, you know, the injured list right now. Right. Yeah. It's mm, I'm, I'm good where they, where they're at. They're third, they're third in the conference, man. If you'd have told me at this point, they're third in the conference, at the beginning of the year, I'd have been ecstatic, but it's just sort of the way that we saw him get off to that hot start. We got a little spoiled. Yeah. He came back down to earth. It's 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 also that gap too between Boston and Milwaukee, where it's just such a, and not to say that they can't play with them, but it's it's, it's very difficult to take down those sorts of teams. The last two conference champions, when there's that much of, I wouldn't even say it's crazy much of a gap, but there is a considerable gap between the Cavs and then the top two. I I agree with you to an extent. The Celtics have seven losses and two of them are to us. And yeah, they only true. have two losses at home, and one of them is to us. That's true. The Celtics have four losses or four of their seven losses, two are to us and two are to the Chicago Bulls. And then Milwaukee, Mitch, we're gonna find out quickly how where we really stack up with them. I think I think Milwaukee is the biggest test at this point in the season when they come to Cleveland because we played them twice in Milwaukee, and we know that's a you know a very rowdy arena with what they've been able to do here in years past, you know winning an NBA championship, having perhaps some people don't agree with it, but you know, I tend to the best player in basketball in Giannis. Let's see what we do when they come to Cleveland, because if the, if the Cavs can, you know, put a scare into them and knock them off. I feel a lot better with where we are. I mean, we're only three games back behind Milwaukee and four back of Boston, but at the same time that you're only one up on Brooklyn, two up on Philly and two and a half up on the Knicks. Yeah. And so that's why these games against the Eastern Conference opponents are so vital because the Pacers are in the play-in tournament and the Raptors are in the play-in tournament. And that's a team that has already beaten you, like I said, twice this year. I'm loving this, though. I really am. Yeah. And I know you are, too, because I see your tweets every time that you love these Cavs. Uh, every 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 significant win, especially. Most of the wins, I try to get that tweet out as soon as I can after a victory. But I just one day, I just did that. And I think it was during the last season when they really started to ramp up the national hype for them. I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. It became like a tradition for myself that no one else uh, really follows. But you mentioned a lot of those teams in the East. Really, there's only five teams uh, right now that I would consider contenders for the conference title. You said from Celtics to Sixers. I'm not picking the Knicks right now. I'm not picking the Pacers. I'm not picking even the Heat and Hawks. Heat and Hawks should be higher than what they are right now. Maybe they'll go on a run later on in the year. Uh, but the West, it's crazy. One through six. Maybe one through five, maybe one through one through six for sure. 
I could see serious. Memphis, I could see serious. Denver, I could see serious. Phoenix, even though they're struggling right now, they've lost five in a row. I could see serious. Then you got newcomers like Portland and New Orleans and the Clippers. Clippers aren't new, new, but the Kings are at seven. Kings are at seven. Jazz are at eight. That's oh, Golden State's at ten. You're now you just lost Curry for the next few weeks. Yeah. Dallas and God, that is like that's why I'm happy the Cavs are in the East right now because even though I think they could play with a number of these West teams and they have, that's such a that's such a hard place to get good seating compared to the East. Mitch, I feel like a lot of folks, and I'm definitely one of them, you look at a team like Portland that sits at fourth right now in the Western Conference. They were at first for the first three weeks, and you're yep. like, oh, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna go away. They're not that good. They're going to go away. Oh, the Jazz started off hot. Oh, they're going to go away. They're not that good. They traded us Donovan Mitchell. And sure, they've fallen back. The Kings, I was like, oh, they're not that good. They'll go away. No, the Kings are rising right now. Yep. It's crazy. And the Pelicans the same way. The Pelicans are the hottest team in the NBA right now. And Zion Williamson is playing what was expected of him when they was drafted, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. CJ McCollum is doing very well. Brandon Ingram's doing, I mean, that team is, is great right now. And you're starting to see some of the teams we expected to be up there. Yeah, Memphis is still up there. Yeah, Denver's still up there. But Phoenix at five, the Clippers at six, and then Dallas at nine. I expect Golden State to fall out. I think it'll be, I, I, I will be shocked if when Steph Curry comes back, they are any higher than what they are now in the Western Conference standings. And then the, to me, it's not even the Lakers. The Minnesota Timberwolves are, are a huge disappointment right now. Yeah. Sitting there as the 11th seed in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they're only back of the uh, nine seed by a game, but the West is very, very interesting right now. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because just today, Mitch, some publications are putting out trade targets for every single team mm-hmm. because the trade deadline's in February and you always wonder who the buyer is going to be. And right now it looks like it's so jumbled in the West that you don't know who a buyer and seller is. Because if I bet you, if you ask the players on the Timberwolves and the Lakers, they still believe they're a playoff team. Yeah. It's it, though. I think they'll at least make the play in tournament right now. Carl Anthony towns with Tim, the Timberwolves has been out. So the offense hasn't been working as well. D'Angelo Russell though, kind of having a bit of a little resurgence there uh, averaging. What was it now? Uh, scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter on Friday's game, averaging 24.8 so far. So he's been able to keep them in there. And uh, yeah, that's all we have for this episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Of course, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, Spotify is video as well as audio, and Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud are not. You can also find us on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. That's where we have coverage of our games, our schedule, and the latest blogs. I wrote a post today about a certain Dover wrestler who uh, signed an NLI to Lake Erie College. Be sure to check out for that. Uh, Of course, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, And, of course, our individual pages, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Mitch, we're keeping it short and sweet today. Your fact is that the Mount Union Purple Raiders play at 7 o'clock Friday night for the Stag Bowl Championship against North Central. That's your fact. And if you don't believe me, turn on your TV to ESPNU and ESPN Plus and fact check me. There you go. There's your challenge to fact check me. And Mitch, I could have some big news come our next show pertaining to me that is also extremely embarrassing. But we'll have to wait to see what happens in fantasy football this week. I like it. We have uh, the Purple Raiders going for, what would it be, their 14th national championship combined claimed 
and earn through tournaments. So that's all we have here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Thank you for listening or watching.